All right. So thank you so much, everyone, for coming to my show, A Gift from Adversity. Today we have a wonderful guest. His name is Harvey Mack. And Harvey and I met, um, and we had some podcasts. Uh, he interviewed me before. Um, and I'm very, very excited to have him today for my show. This is my second episode um, of A Gift from Adversity. So, Herbie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me as a guest. I'm honored, truly. Wonderful. Can you please tell your name and then what you do to our audience? Yes, sure. So, Hi, everyone. I'm Herbie Mack. I am a suicide prevention speaker, also coach as well. And I am the host of the Just Believe podcast, where we normalize conversations about mental health challenges and also give out alternatives, routes, just in case you want to know, like, hey, let me try this out. So that's what I do. Great. So, Herbie, um, today um, we want to talk about adversity. So this show I started because I published a book called A Gift from Adversity. And A Gift from Adversity is available on Amazon and different platforms. But I wanted to write this book because I'm a survivor of child sex abuse and domestic violence, bullying, and homelessness. So I wanted to title it is as a gift because adversity is obviously hard. It is very traumatic. But there's some thing that maybe we can learn uh, from adversity. So that's why I intentionally put it's a gift. So let's actually find out uh, what was your adversity growing up or if you can tell, feel free to not tell and tell our audience. So what is your adversity? Uh, so I'm originally from the Bronx. Growing up there, um, I'm originally from the South Bronx. So growing up there, I saw a lot from as far as uh, drive-bys, gang-related stuff. Um, also, like, you know, where I was at, crack was, like, heavy. <laughs> so being there and, and trying not to be a product of my environment, you know, I, I leaned towards other things. Instead of being in the streets, I decided to lean towards, like, studying, being in the books and whatnot. Uh, during the time, my mom and dad was, like, really on me about you know school the importance of school and growing up in that scenario and having some friends that are no longer around because of the street life it taught me to tighten up and, and get into books but then um also growing up i also seen a lot of negative things as, as i stated as far as like death uh, one of the deaths that affected me was like i had a cousin passing and whatnot well he didn't get passed he got murdered and when he got murdered uh unfortunately i had to identify his body. And that was like trauma right there. And then shortly after that, about two, three years later, I had a sister who died from cancer. So it was a lot. It was a lot for me to take on. Um, and when you're a young child, a teenager, uh, like I was like 12 when the first one happened. And I was about 14, 15 when my sister died. So it was a lot for me. And I started having a disconnect with my myself as far as like who am I am, the meaning of life. And I didn't have anyone to talk to. You know, I, I was always wanted to talk to my parents about it and whatnot. And it was rough, you know, it was rough. It led me down a, a path of um, suicidal ideation and whatnot. Uh, trying to figure out who you are 
when you're a teenager, uh, when you started high school. So it was a lot to take on. Um, yeah, so it was a lot. It was a lot to take on, and I had to learn how how to communicate. And I and I want to shout out my grandma because she was always the one who was checking in on me, and checking in and telling me about like depression and how it's important to express yourself, and how it's important to believe in yourself and believe that you can get out this funk. So it's a lot happened when you are growing up. And how did that lead to maybe a deep depression and some attempts that you kind of openly talk about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It led to a lot. Um, it led to my depression because I didn't know how to, one, I didn't know my emotions. I didn't know how to express myself. So in a sense of like expressing like to talk, I didn't know how to do that. But my habits was like showing like my behavior. I should say not about that my habits but my behavior was changing in the sense of like not really caring how I dressed didn't really want to get a haircut didn't really care about a lot uh, you know let alone wanting to wash and whatnot and I think that was the first signs of me being depressed and then really having the suicidal ideation contemplating of you know ending my life and luckily, my grandma did have that talk and I got out of it out of it at a young age. So I was just like, you know, it has to be more than life. I'm tired of being in the projects and tired of living this lifestyle. Let me move. And so I did. You know, I, I moved. I got everything all together and I moved to the state of Florida and Tampa. And no one tells you when you're a kid that your problems go with you. You know, yeah, you left the situation, but your problems still come with you. So I had to learn how to adjust with that. So were there, besides grandma, were there anybody who you were able to kind of talk to or nobody? Like fan, counselor, like school teacher? No. So it sounds, it's going to sound, and where I'm growing up, where, where I grew up at, no one talked about therapy. It was something like whatever stays in this house, whatever happens in this house stays in this house. So for me, my outlet was basketball, right? Because that was the only thing I felt like I can control. You know, if I want, if I sucked at it, it's because I wasn't putting enough work in it. If I was decent at it, I was, uh, you know, it was stuff that I can actually control. I, I felt like I had no control of my life outside of basketball. So my 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 talking to was my coaches and my my teammates and my friends. So I talked to them, but you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to put pressure on other kids. Like you know, we just shared each other like issues and like hey you know what it's we i'm going through this i'm going through that and we cope with playing video games or shooting hoops that's what we did so how would you describe that now you started this podcast that you are maybe learning a lot by doing this podcast and then just tell our audience a little bit more about your podcast how you started why you started and how people can find out about your podcast where can they go sure no problem so i started my podcast because i'm a multiple time suicide survivor so when i was struggling and i was going through my depression and my suicidal ideation and attempts i didn't had i had no idea like who i can go to who can where can i find information um you know i didn't want to share my story i wasn't comfortable sharing it i was just like hey i just let me just start reposting people's stuff and share it. 
And I couldn't find anyone that sounded like me, nor that looked like me. That was relatable. So I said, well, I got to become that person. And on the journey of the podcast, I interview not only people who had experience and and overcome their their trauma, but I also interview pro, pros, is what I call them, the, the doctors, the psychiatrists, the counselors, because I want to normalize therapy because the stigma is like, ah, they're not going to really help me out. They, they're just wasting my time. But I want to show people that they actually do help. And uh, my podcast is also available everywhere on YouTube. It's also available on uh, Apple, StreamYard, everywhere. It's like everywhere. Any, anywhere you want to find it, you can find it. I guarantee it. So Just Believe is the title. Yes, the Just Believe podcast. Just Believe podcast. How did you come up with this podcast name? Um, yeah, that's, oh man, that's easy. Uh, well, may I, may I tell my story? Yeah, of course. Please. Perfect. All right, I'm just going to get into it. Waking up to the sound of someone banging at my door. And as I open the door, I realize it's my ex-girlfriend trying to figure out why she's here. Instantly, she's like, oh, Herbie, why do you look like that? Why do you smell like that? Hello, are you going to answer me? I'm trying to decide if I should tell her the truth because every male told me I can't be weak. I can't be vulnerable. I got to man up. I got to be strong. And then she uttered these words, I love you. I'm here for you. So I decided to tell her the truth. This is the third day in a row I attempted suicide. And honestly, it would have been the fourth if you didn't come knocking. She starts crying. She hands me the phone, tells me to call the suicide lifeline number. So I did. As I'm on the phone, I'm speaking to the counselor. She's saying, sir, on a scale to one to 10, how do you feel today? As I replied to negative 10, and honestly, this is the first time in my life I don't trust myself by myself. So she recommended I check myself into a mental health facility. So I did. After a while, I get evaluated by a couple of nurses. One of the male nurses stopped me and said, hey, sir, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but you don't belong here. I've been doing this for a while. You don't belong here. He's going to use you to share your story to touch other people's lives. At the time, I had no idea what he was talking about. Honestly, I just wanted my pillow, my blanket, and head to my room to cry. Because no one thinks about attempting suicide, let alone checking himself into a mental health facility. A few moments later, I get evaluated by the psychiatrist who's running it. He glances at my file and says, oh, okay, from the Bronx. All right, this is the issue. Here, take this. At that moment, I realized I had a voice. I decided to use it. Take what? I don't even know what this is. And he says... Wait a moment. Looks at my file again and says, you're from the Bronx. So people from the Bronx have a low IQ. They can't really read or write that well. So I'm be honest with you. You have bipolar. So if you take this, you'll be fine. I just want to let you know, if people who ever throw labels on you, please tell them labels are made for jars, not people. As I rejected it, I decided to go back to the nurses because they, they, they got me. They was communicating with me. So I asked the nurse, hey, is there any other ways that I can help me with this depression? And he said, sure, try writing. So I started writing. As I write, and I realized the trigger of my depression is my parents for the fact that they didn't teach me how to love myself. Here I am dating someone else, hoping that they can teach me how to love myself. Sounds weird every time I think about it, but it's true. And also, as I kept writing, I realized I was a functional alcoholic. I was only drinking to numb my pain instead of facing my pain. A few days pass by, luckily, another psychiatrist comes, reevaluates everything and says, you don't have bipolar, you're just depressed, you need therapy. I'm not going to lie to you, jury. Your boy was broke, okay? <laughs> I was broke. So when I got home, the first thing I did was use Google, how to love yourself. And I discovered something called positive affirmations. Since I was in dire need, 
I just got sticky notes and placed them everywhere from my bedroom to the mirror, my bathroom, to the refrigerator, to even in my car. And then I also discovered something talk, positive talk. I didn't even know what that was. So I did something I never done before. I looked in the mirror, told myself, you are love, you are smart. You can change the world, but first you have to just believe in yourself. Some of my friends found out that I had left the place and they wanted to turn up and celebrate because my nickname was Anything Possible for the fact that I love Hennessy. And I discovered something called boundaries. I had to tell them, look, man, I love you, but I got to love you from afar because once I start drinking, I turn into the Incredible Hulk and I can't control them. They didn't get it, but they love me, so they stayed away. And if you're wondering about that ex-girlfriend that came knocking on my door, now she's my wife. Bless me with two beautiful kids. I share my stories because I personally went from hopelessness to happiness. And I share it because I want you to do the same. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. It's very, it, it feels like I'm watching some kind of movie, but it's your life. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true story. And then I'm glad you survived that. And then I'm very happy that you are openly um, talking about it and then decided to share with the world and then having these guests. I was honored to be one of your guests. Um, and you also talk about um, African-American men, especially, that was kind of biased that they shouldn't talk about it and just, you know, maybe take it in. But I think you're giving a platform. I have several friends uh, who came on your show and then they all said they had a great experience with you. So by having this guest and then doing the podcast, do you think it's kind of healing to you as well? Like, is it like, is it healing you as well? Um, as well as audience and guests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it, for me, learning, learning about trauma, right? You know, like this is topics can be hard, obviously, but you know, it it helps me in a sense to understand people, right? Learning how to listen to understand and not listen to 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 reply because when you are struggling, sometimes the best thing to do is listen, right? And then when I when you, when I do listen to the guests that speak. I learned so much, right? Based off of some of the techniques that they use, right? Like what the, the episode that I'm going to release next week is with uh, Milton, Milton Young, right? And he was struggling with, with depression and he went to learn jiu-jitsu. How do you say jiu-jitsu? I, I, always, I always say it wrong, but he went to learn like martial arts and it helped him out as a coping me method. And it taught him discipline. And it also taught him how to believe in himself and confidence. So it was like something like that. I never, I would never think like martial arts would teach you that. So like that's something that I learned. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So so when I do interview people, I love the fact that you know they can be themselves. I if they don't, if there's a topic that they don't want to talk about, like if it's too triggering, hey, we don't got to talk about it. But you know, I learned a lot to be honest with you. But you know, also like engage in conversations with them. They learn from me as well. Yes, absolutely. So how many episodes have you had so far? So far I have 
out right now. I have 20, 29, 29. I took a break. Um, you know, I always tell people about self-care and I'm a massive advocate and I like to practice what I preach. Life can be overwhelming, whether you, you know, nine to five, you know, obviously the pandemic. Um, and it was overwhelming for me. I was, I was feeling like I was drowning and, you know, I had to tell people like, I have to take a break mentally. I'm not, I'm not there. Uh, some one of some 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 of my listeners had DM me like, "Hey, you're dropping out an episode," and I just had to be honest. And it's like I, I can't. Like, yeah, I understand you're looking forward to it, which I'm truly honored, but I'm mentally unstable. I have to get back focused. I have to, I have to get back to the Herbie Mac that I that I am, and they love it. They love the fact that I'm open and honest with them, you know, because I I I want I take mental health so serious, and I want them to take it too. But um. Also, like now, the the podcast is actually changing, uh, which I think not changing, but growing. How about that? Because as people, we grow every day, and I and I'm going to start teaching people things that help me out, and and whatnot. So it's going to be a lot of solo episodes. Actually, one is going to drop. A new solo episode is going to drop tomorrow, and it's it's about the celebration of of me being sober for four years and learning that I am not my addiction. That's really powerful, and. You know, I think what impressed me with you um, is just, you know, vulnerability and then being brave and then being advocate for not you, but others to create this platform. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do as well for starting the show, A Gift from Adversity, where, for instance, um, the last episode that I interviewed Deidre Eldridge, that she is a survivor of active shooting twice. And then she said all of a sudden people stopped talking about it and she didn't know where to talk or how people will feel. So she appreciated me for creating the safe um, space that um, they can sh she can share. And then I think what you are doing is extremely important because mental health is something that people shy away talking about suicidal attempt. I tried to kill myself when I was 15 after I experienced sexual abuse from my dad and I was not believed when I told my mom. So, you know, I think, you know, I never really heard of counseling or like mental health until I came to America, I never heard of PTSD. So really educating, I think a lot of people are starting to talk about it more especially during the pandemic and everything but from your perspective being sober for four years and doing this podcast what are your what is and then learning from other people doing this um almost 30 episodes what is your biggest take on that you can share for um as far as tips and advice if people are going through maybe suicidal thoughts or being very depressed, what is your biggest advice to them? Don't be scared to ask for help, to be honest. It's the stigma of asking for help makes you weak, and it's not. It's actually, it makes you strong. It shows you self-awareness. It shows that, hey, I need some help. And I think that's what I had to learn, right? If it wasn't for that ex-girlfriend that came knocking on my door, I didn't ask for help at all. But she was the help that I needed, you know? And I was comfortable 
enough to to realize I do need help. And you have to be comfortable to accept it. So if if not the professional, like you know, somebody else that you reach out first and then ask for help, what if that help is rejected? Like my case, my first person that I confided, I was rejected. I was told a liar. And that broke me. And then like what should we do for that kind of situation? Oh, yeah. No, I had a situation like that. I um also I was talking to my close friends and I was telling them and they, they laughed, not in the sense of like, that's funny. They laughed because they didn't know what they, they didn't know how to handle it. And some people, when they reject you, they don't know how to handle it and they may not be prepared for it, but that's why you keep going until somebody hears you because your voice needs to be heard because you are loved and you are special. So right now, how are you doing Mentally, how is your mental wealth, mental right. health? Uh, <laughs> and and right now, it's mental it's, wealth and mental health. Yes. Uh, right now, uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably uh, six or seven. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, out of 10, six or seven. And, it, and honestly, it's a lot because, you know, people may not know I, I'm a father of two, two young kids at the same time. I got a four year old and one year old. So they keep me going. But also, you know, really trying to 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 keep up, but then learning that I I'm where I'm at, where I need to be. Like this is, you know, sometimes we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves, and that's what I was doing. And I had to learn how to, uh, you know, change my perspective. So right now, yeah, I'll say like a seven. I'm at a seven. I just need, you know, some sleep. But when you when you have two young kids, it, it catches up sooner or later. But I'm at a seven. But um. Yeah, I'm at a seven and I, and and I learned how to communicate, right? Not only to like my wife, but to myself. And like, hey, you need to you need to dial it back just a little bit. Whether it's it's your goals and your expectations, or hey, it's okay to sleep in. It's okay to take a break. It's okay if you didn't post that podcast today. Guess what? When you can't post it, you can post it. Yes. So I want to switch a little bit uh, towards a gift part of it. So my um, show is a gift from adversity. So and that's title of my book. And to be honest with you, after I published my book, a lot of people reached out to me and then confined their abuse, sexual abuse, trauma. And then I learned what is it? What's the gift part of it? And then to me, it's this perspective that I learned and then humbleness. And I remember my counselor was saying, white is brighter next to black. And the metaphor of if you haven't experienced these adversities that the happiness that you have maybe is degraded. Now, I just got on the movie with superstars, don't look up. <laughs> thank you with the hard work to put in with my son you know I was just crying when I was in the theater and then watching myself and my son and I started to think about the moment that I had to kill myself and now was this huge stars in this number one most watched movie on Netflix like top 10 in 94 countries surreal 
But at the same time, I don't think I would have cried or be touched or moved by it if I didn't really have these experiences. So my gift is really truly the moment that I can deeply, deeply appreciate the success or joy. So how about you? I love it. If it wasn't for pain, you would never understand joy. I love it. Uh, For me, my gift is the power of vulnerability, to be honest with you. I think being a male, we have that stigma of being manly. And I'm okay with being vulnerable. And it still makes you manly. I tell people that all the time. Yeah, I would say vulnerability and then learning how to communicate with self and with others. Learning that, right? And learning like, oh, okay, I'm not feeling myself today. What are the steps that I have to do to be myself? You know, as far as like writing, sitting down, being, you know, the gratitude journal, um, meditating. Even if meditating is different for everyone, you don't have to sit there and meditate with the crisscross applesauce. You could just sit in silence and just be like, hey, this is it. And also learning to move, right? The exercising. You don't have to sit there and work out until you look like the rock. You could sit there and just do a 20 minute walk. You know, that helps out. Also just jamming out to some music. If, if that, that is therapeutic too. And learning when to use those coping skills. You know, I always tell everyone, we, we all should have coping skills. And if one don't work, learn how to use the other one. Yes, absolutely. I truly appreciate you like learning and sharing and surviving from it. And how did you celebrate the sober, the fourth anniversary? Like, you know, was there a certain date that you remember that, oh, this so, is the fourth anniversary? Um, yeah. So honestly, once my daughter was born, like I was, I was, I was pretty much done. Um, the, what is it? Um, New Year's Eve, like was like my last drink, but, um, I was going to post it on New Year's, but you know, everybody with the happy New Year's and I was like, I'll just wait till Monday and how I celebrate it. Your boy got a cold stone ice cream and, uh, yeah, we had to eat. Okay. (laughs) 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 You know, got to get it. You have to enjoy the the things in life. Um, but honestly, once I became sober, the sky looks a different color blue. I think life becomes different once you, once you realize the value of it, you know, you, you know, with the suicidal ideation and the, the attempt, you, you appreciate it. As you said, like that moment, I'm pretty sure as soon as you saw you on the big screen, oh, tears of joy came out. Like, wow. Here I was like years ago in this dark place and now look at me. Life is beautiful. You never know, right? You never know. Yeah. I I, I always tell people life is a beautiful struggle. You don't you don't understand it, right? You don't appreciate the struggle until you until you overcome it. And you're like, wow, I was at this dark place and now look at me. So take time. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, you know, treat your inner child perfectly. You know, treat, treat it fine. I, I have a picture in my office of myself when I'm three. And even though, like, I don't, you know, sometimes we talk to ourselves negative. And as soon as I start having those negative thoughts, I go right to that picture and start talking to that kid. Like, hey, you know, if I won't say it to a kid, why would I say it to myself? It's one of the things that I learned. That's a really great metaphor. I think uh, my 
primary care doctor told me about this uh, website, selfcompassion.org. And he was telling me, you know, you have to tell something to yourself as if you're telling that word to your best friend. So you don't tell your best friend bad things. And then why would you say that to yourself? And then we do it, we beat ourselves. And then I don't know why, how, but um, I think a lot of times self-esteem is definitely, you know, developed thing and by the education. And in my case was extreme abuse and domestic violence witnessing and how can you overcome that, right? So again, both of us went through very hardship growing up, not being able to share or advocate for yourself. But I think you and I both uh, found a way to somehow not only advocate for ourselves, but for others creating these platforms. And I think, you know, it is something, not a counseling, but something that is therapeutic and then in a way it's kind of healing. Yeah. What do you think? No, yeah, I agree with you. It is. It's, you know, once you, it's like the stories, once you put your own, your own oxygen mask on and you, you realize like, oh, wow, now I can assist others and I can learn from others and teach others. Hey, this worked for me. Try it out. Um, I recently had someone that, that I was just talking to, like a good friend. And they was in a negative place. And I was just like, hey, why would you talk to yourself like that? And he's like, well, you know, I'm beating myself up. And I told them the same thing I just told you. Take a picture. Look at your kid. Picture of your kid. Whether it's your actual kid or your inner self, right? And he said he got a picture of him when he was like 10. And he started talking to that kid. And it helped out so much. He said, I don't think I'm ever going to talk to myself negative. And I said, that's the point. Because negative, negative talk is self-harm. I mean, negative Self-talk is self-harm. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Negative self-talk is self-harm. Yes. It that's is. a mouthful, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. When you talk to yourself negative, that's self-harm. Why would you do that to yourself? So speak to yourself positive. I don't know why we do this, but, you know, a lot of us do. And, you know, that leads us to depression. And how can we talk ourselves out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know we're going to wrap it up soon, but yeah. it's something else that I do. Um, I call this release writing, right? Sometimes we hold on to things so much and it's like, we don't need to hold on to it. So I would write as like fast as I can, whatever the emotion is. Like if it's anger, I'm just going to keep writing. And I may not even be able to read it. And after I finish writing it, I either do two things. I tear it up and just throw it away or I burn it. Right. Because I don't need to hold on to that emotion because that emotion is draining. And once you burn it, you don't think about it anymore. It's gone. Let it go. That is a really great technique. Maybe I have to do that. Try it. Try it. You, you'll, you'll thank yourself. I promise. Great. Well, Herbie, I truly appreciate you supporting my new show, A Gift from Adversity, and coming on my show. You're my second guest. I'm so honored <laughs> and I really admire you and support you like 200% and you know I'm very grateful that we became friends and then we're in touch and 
keep it going and keep winning. And I truly appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening to our show, A Gift from Adversity. We'll see you next time.